2: Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Thursday, March 30th. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. A lot to get to you today, as always. Uh, we're going to talk Warrior Spurs last night. We're going to talk Malcolm Brogdon versus Dario Saric for the Rookie of the Year race as the Bucks continue to surge, uh, now tied for the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more. Uh, about some teams at the top of the playoff races as the playoffs approach. But first we got to start with uh, the most important topic of the day. John Wall apparently linked to Rihanna. And this is more than just rumor. They were photographed together. Rihanna got a customized Washington Wizards jersey. This was an issue and a very, very important issue that you raised to me, James. So I'll kind of let you set the scene and we'll go from there.
1: Uh. Yeah, so I mean that they, they were just photographed together uh, after um, one of her shows in Washington D.C. and she got a John Wall jersey, which is you know a classic move. Uh,
2: hang out with a girl, give her your jersey. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, well, it's like in middle school, you know, and your yeah, girlfriend yeah. Did, was that. Did that happen at your school? Your girlfriend would wear like your football or your basketball jersey.
1: Not mine. I mean, I. I I never got to pull that off, but like other, other guys would have girls yeah. wearing their Jersey and stuff. Guys like were that. whipped. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Less, lesser men than me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, they might be hooking up or dating. And I just, I think that that's, uh, that's what happens when you lock up the division for the first time in quite a while.
2: Yeah. It has been a very, or the, the,
1: time. the, uh, yeah, the division, the division.
2: Yes. Not the conference. Um, yeah. I don't, I was a little bit surprised. By this I, I see John Wall hit her up in a what looks to be a Facebook live session mm-hmm. and cut to a few days later she's holding a John wall jersey. she's dressed in, in what looks to be a very high end pink jumpsuit, and they look happy. You inform me that Rihanna actually dated Matt Kemp yep who who yep. does he even play for these days uh the Atlanta Braves Atlanta Braves great Matt Kemp so given that knowledge, like I feel like John Wall is definitely a step <clears throat> up right i well. I think it's just really clear that
1: Rihanna uh, values how well you're playing because she was dating Matt Kemp when Matt Kemp was an MVP candidate and she might now be dating John Wall in what's probably the best year of his career and the most success he's have ever had. So, uh, I mean, she, she's not in into losers. I mean, she's into, she's into guys that are putting up big stats.
2: So she basically over the last year has like publicly – denied all of drake's advances and now she's (laughs) moving on to john wall so i I think this is like you said this is john wall's best season this has kind of been his coming of age season this is the wizard's best season in a while and and he's obviously been the engine behind that and you know to the victor go the spoils i guess uh i was looking at you know putting together some kind of mock all nba teams yesterday and you know I, i know you haven't thought super in depth about this but like John is going to make an all NBA team, right? I mean, it's, it's tough because there's so many good guards. Um, but I had him in second team, uh, over Isaiah Thomas. Although I think when push comes to shove, Isaiah probably gets that spot on the second team with Curry. Uh, where do you think John Wall kind of fits in with, with those all NBA teams this year?
1: Uh, yeah, I think he should definitely make it. I don't know if he should make the second one or the third one, uh, I would have him. I think I'd have him ahead of Isaiah, just because I mean, yeah. if you factor in defense,
2: yeah, I think the Celtics, you know, likely finishing ahead of Washington, and the narrative around Isaiah is probably going to get him, you know, the, the necessary votes. I think you know it's it's going to be easily Harden in Westbrook on the first team. Uh, I think LeBron and Kawhi take the other forward spots, and then I have Davis at center. You can you know you can debate that, uh, but then I went Wall and Curry for my second team guards, and then Isaiah and DeRozan for my third team guards. But I mean, honestly, I think Harden and Westbrook have to be first team after that. You can kind of scramble the order of those next four. Although I think Curry, given that the Warriors, you know, are going to win 67 games or whatever it's going to be. I think he's pretty solidly in that second team. So do you think Chris Paul hasn't played enough then? I do. And I do wonder, you know, I mean, the Clippers are, you know, what are they back in fifth now uh, in the Western conference? They're only a game up on OKC. Like, I think it's kind of a convenient excuse almost to not put Chris Paul on an all NBA team because he hasn't played enough games, but like I wonder if like if he played 75 games, he'd be a third teamer, right? Like I don't think you could justifiably put him over John Wall this season. And I think that says a lot about John Wall because Chris Paul has been great as always. Do you think there is a case to put Mike Conley
1: on any of these teams?
2: I think there's a case certainly. I mean, I think there's a case for him almost every year, but you know, Memphis kind of sliding back into the seven seed and, you know, not looking like quite the team that they were two, three months ago probably hurts his case a little bit.
1: I mean, he's, he's definitely having his best year, I would say.
2: Well, Uh, I mean, these are guys, the following players are all guards that I did not list. And Conley's one of them, but it's like, would you put Conley over Damian Lillard, Brad Beal, CJ McCollum, Kemba Walker, Kyle Lowry, Clay Thompson, Kyrie Irving. Uh, Chris Paul. I mean, the, the only one that's close, I think
1: is, I guess you could say clay and Kyrie are close, I guess. Uh, none of the other guys like the, the blazers to me, just no easy. No.
2: Um, I mean, the blazers are only four and a half back of Memphis. Yeah. But those numbers are astronomically better on, you know, on, especially offensively.
1: I mean, you just have to factor in what he does, what Conley does defensively. I think, and yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, they, they've that's a team that he's really carried for for the bulk of this season.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like it is every year, and I think probably exacerbated even more this year, where there's you know you could go four or five All NBA teams deep and still have a lot of really really good players. I mean, I'm I'm so biased against
1: uh, DeRozan. I I don't really know. I, I do know yeah. why it is because he just doesn't really play a style that, that appeals to me. I, I mean, he's Demar
2: to De- 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 mid range. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. For whatever reason, I just it's weird to have some of these guys behind him.
2: I agree. But it's like if you're not going to put Lowry on and the Raptors win 50 games like DeRozan kind of has to make it right. I don't love it, but like he's going to.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, I, I agree that he will. Like,
2: I would rather, I would almost rather put Clay on there than DeRozan, but that's not going to happen.
1: It's, you know, like, you know, if, if Clay was in the situation DeRozan's in, the numbers would be probably better and he'd be playing like really quality defense.
2: Exactly. Like DeRozan with the Warriors would not work. I <laughs> can no. imagine. No. No, that would be awful. Um, okay, well, well, we'll do all NBA teams on another pod once the regular season uh, is get a little bit closer to, to closing out. But we cover John Wall and Rihanna. We'll keep everyone posted on, on any developments <laughs> there. We'll keep our ear to the ground. Um, but let's talk Warrior Spurs. So I turned this game on last night, and as soon as I turned it on, it was, I think, like 32 to 12. And at one point, the Spurs were up 23 to 3. And you know, I was watching with a friend and we both looked at each other and we were like, this is going to be a single digit game by halftime. Uh, that was the case. The Warriors came storming back. They were down three, I believe, at the half, end up winning this one by double digits. Um, first win over the Spurs for Golden State this season. They were 0-2 against the San Antonio Spurs. Did this game prove anything to you or is this just kind of what you expected to see from Golden State?
1: I mean, I think this is a big win. I would have probably had the... The Spurs favorites. favorites. Um, you know they're they're dealing with. They, I mean they're pretty healthy right now, and the Warriors are not. And they were on the road. I mean I th- I think it's a it's a big win the fact that they uh, won pretty convincingly in the end. And mm. you know that's got to... If if the Spurs had won, I think that that
2: would have told me something.
1: But the fact that right. the Warriors won, it's like, well, they're probably going to cruise to the finals.
2: Yeah, I think. I think I agree with you. If if the Spurs had beaten the Warriors for the third straight time, you know, you remember the, the opening game of the season, they absolutely whooped them on national TV. The last time they played, I think there were some players resting. So you, you know, that one was kind of a wash. But everybody, you know, with the exception of Durant, was going in this one, and and the Spurs and the Warriors both seemed to play it like it was a playoff game. Uh, I thought Andre Iguodala, I don't know how much of this game you got to watch, but Iguodala was huge. 14.6 rebounds doesn't necessarily jump out, but he was plus 17 uh, and hit a a number of really, really tough shots when Golden State uh, needed them during that comeback. So big win for Golden State. I mean, it's not often that you can say that about a Warriors regular season victory, that it actually matters. Um, But I I think, you know, this just kind of proved that even without Kevin Durant, this is still the team to beat in the Western Conference because lest we forget that two nights ago they just beat the Rockets. So they've beaten, you know, number two and number three in the Western Conference pretty handily on back-to-back nights without Kevin Durant.
1: Yeah, I I don't think of the Rockets as a team that's going to be able to push them just based on the way that the two teams match up. Even Everyone talks about, well, if the Rockets, like, hit... Uh, this many threes, like it'll be a close game. But uh, if you if you play at that pace against the Warriors, you're, you're just not going to beat them if they're healthy. I, I don't see it, at least. Whereas with the Spurs, like you can kind of imagine a scenario where they're just playing amazing D and the Warriors can't get anything easy and they, they get frustrated and, and maybe the Spurs win two or three in a series. Uh, but yeah, I mean, right now, if if they play each other and KD healthy, what do you you think it goes five? You think it goes six?
2: Yeah, I think it would go five. I think you know you saw in this game that when Kawhi Leonard is not a hundred percent on his game offensively, and you know he had some really nice moments as he does in every game, but he was seven of twenty from the floor. He was zero for five from three. Had five turnovers. Uh, just not not like, the best game that we've seen from Kawhi.
1: For the Spurs to push the Warriors would Kawhi have to have one of those all-time series yes. like oh, where yeah. like the, the, like a historic series where people like still talk about yep. it, like the one Rondo series against the Cavs. Right. I,
2: like, I think that's honestly with, with the one series that golden state has lost since they really morphed into this super team was LeBron, you know, it was last year in the finals and right. that took Herculean effort by LeBron. It took, you know, a 40 point game from Kyrie in game five. Um, and, you know, the, the year before, LeBron put on, you know, arguably the greatest one-man final show ever and, and came up short. Like, you need that kind of effort, I think, to beat this team. And is the type of player who can do it. But the Spurs just have too many other holes to me. I mean, that that front court of, of Lee and Gasol, <laughs> it's, it, honestly, it looks better than it does on paper. I will say that. And the results, you know, speak to it as well. I mean, the well, Spurs are going to win 60 again. Do you think the Spurs saw
1: anything in terms of you know, player personnel combinations where they're just going to be like, yep, we're not doing that. And in, in
2: yeah, the, I think that could be part of it. You know, where series. you use these games as kind of a <laughs> testing ground. Um, but I mean, Gasol being able to shoot threes is big. Like, he's not, I think he's kind of stereotyped as this lumbering big and that's more true on the defensive end than it is the offensive end. And, and David Lee is a better athlete and is more physical than he's given credit for. But Lee was a minus 17 in 16 minutes last night. Gasol was a minus 10. Uh, and maybe the most egregious offender was Tony Parker, who played 24 minutes, missed all four of his shots, turned it over twice and, and was held scoreless. I mean, that's that's the biggest link right now is, is Patty Mills is playing well, but Patty Mills can't be the guy you're depending on. Like, I think and I told this to DJ yesterday on, on the podcast that I think San Antonio missed an opportunity at the deadline to upgrade that point guard spot. Not that they necessarily had all these assets that they could have flipped, but. That's a pretty big area of weakness right now when you're going up against a Rockets team that has James Harden and a Warriors team that has Steph Curry. Yeah, they
1: you're right. That is kind of the missing link. They don't have the guy where it's like, well, we're going to not play Parker this much in this series and we're going to play this guy a lot instead. Like, yeah, they just don't like, have that
2: guy. If they still had Corey Joseph, you know, maybe that's a little bit better, but even then it's... It's tough. I, I think they they basically need Tony Parker to play better, and <laughs> really? I don't know if that's a realistic thing to expect right now. You know, as as Tony Parker is set to turn thirty five in in mid May, so we'll see. Um, I don't know what the succession plan is going to be at point guard. I mean, is it Dejounte? He's hurt right now. Maybe that, right. maybe that's <laughs> the problem. He's that's hurt. the problem that they don't have a healthy Dejounte. Yeah.
1: I mean, we we really can't say anything about how they're gonna they're gonna match up because I mean they're missing one of their key players.
2: Yeah, very true. That's a good. I didn't think of it like that. So let's see. The Milwaukee Bucks won in Boston last night uh, behind a big effort from Giannis, behind some clutch plays from Malcolm Brogdon down the stretch. And just like that, maybe this is just because I follow a lot of Bucks people on Twitter, but all of a sudden the Malcolm Brogdon Rookie of the Year hype train has ascended to previously unforeseen heights and there are people like i'm looking through twitter before bed and there's there's you know celtics bloggers versus bucks bloggers like or no not celtics sorry uh 76ers bloggers versus bucks bloggers as why it's sarich why it's (laughs) brogdon i don't care who cares this is going to be the worst rookie of the year ever regardless like it's just you're arguing what's ultimately a moot point point. One, do you care at all about rookie of the year, especially in a year like this? And two, if you had to choose between those two, who is it?
1: No, I, I, I don't care at all. Like knowing that it it will be one of those two, um, I mean, it's it's going to be Saric, right? Like I think so too. A guy that's averaging ten points and four assists and two rebounds isn't going to win rookie of the year. God. Like it's just not going to happen. Uh, I'm I'm still on team. Just give it to Embiid. Like I know that that's a. I, I would much that, rather like, have that too. Like, cause I, I want people to, you know, people will remember, maybe we don't ever get like fully healthy Embiid for a full season, but people will always remember Embiid's first season and how he took a Sixers team that is so, so bad when he's not on the court. And when he was on the court, they were like a competent, like average basketball team when he right. was on the court. Like people will always remember that from earlier in the season. Whereas if if uh, Brogdon or Sarich wins people are just going to be like they're going to reference this year as like the worst year for the exactly. rookie of the year award.
2: Yeah, I think Embiid deserves recognition for. It. Like I think he was that good then even though he only played 30 some games. Like yeah. he that's how good he was. You know like it should be it, that should be part of the deal. Like there's Like he
1: he helped them win more games than Sarich has. Right. And Sarich exactly. is going to play a full season.
2: Right. And yeah, no, I, I think I'm totally on board with that. I think in a year like this, giving it to Embiid, you're not really robbing anyone. You know, like it's it's kind of a it would be a statement and saying like, hey, no right. one else has that it. is grabbing. That is
1: giving it to Embiid is the is the only thing you can do that is basically a let's roll it over. Like let's not give it to anyone. Just giving it to him is a statement,
2: right? Like, and and I. I don't know. That's, that's the way I'd go. I agree. I assume the voters won't because the NBA doesn't have a minimum games or a minimum minutes played for this award. You could vote for him. Right. People won't, but But they're just, there,
1: there's going to be too many people that are just like, look at the games. Right. If you could, you know, if, if, uh, I don't know. I think that everyone knows that he was the best rookie this year. Everyone knows that there are no other deserving candidates. Yeah, Um, shame
2: on you jalen brown shame on you like all those guys that went high in the draft (laughs) marquise chris yeah everybody um yeah well as we're recording right now someone just tweeted in honor of last night's performance hashtag vote for malcolm apparel prints mugs and more all on sale so the campaign has been launched i you know again that's cool i you know it's cool that people are getting behind this i just who cares like it It's just such an uninspiring race to me. Um, I mean, I think, like I said, I think Sarge will win. I do think Brogdon has been, you know, Brogdon's case is all built upon one, he's helping a playoff team. He's starting for what's going to be a playoff team. He's playing well, which is valuable. Uh, And two, it's like relative to expectations. You know, I saw someone tweet today that, like, if Malcolm Brogdon was a lottery pick, he'd be rookie of the year. I don't know if that's the case. I almost feel like it's the opposite. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think his numbers would be considered almost a letdown if he was a lottery.
1: You've made this point before, and it's a really, really good point. Like, the only reason that he gets all this, like, praise and like, whoa, man, look, this season for Malcolm Brogdon is because of where he went in the draft. Yeah. Like, if he was just... A, a high pedigree like no doubt lottery pick and he was putting up these numbers yeah. nobody would be talking about him in a positive light at all
2: right think of malcolm brogdon went eighth overall and was averaging 10 4 and 3 right like wow i this mean guy. Not, that's not that that's bad he's he's league average per like the efficiency's been really good and that's that's the other point in his favor he's shooting 41 percent from three and 50 or 46 percent from the floor which is great for a rookie especially at that position i, I don't mean to take anything away from brogdon but I think, yeah, like you said, the fact that he was a 36 overall pick helps his case more than it hurts it. Right. <laughs> so the Bucks, like we said, won in Boston last night, 103 to 100, still tied with Atlanta, which also won last night uh, for that 5-6 spot. Are the Bucks actually good now? They've won 13 out of 16. And the the elephant in the room, as, as I was texting with a couple friends about this last night who, who actually disagreed with me, Jabari Parker... Uh, has not been a part of this run at all, and it's not like this immediately started when Jabari Parker went down because they were still bad for a couple weeks before this recent run. But the Bucks are noticeably better defensively in the absence of Jabari Parker, and with the whole extension thing looming and the two torn ACLs for Parker, the Bucks, you know, going thirteen and three over the last month and a half. Doesn't exactly help any kind of leverage Parker would have, you know, in terms of trying to negotiate a, a lucrative near max long term extension.
1: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you have to mention Chris Middleton and all this. Sure, obviously, exactly. I mean, he—that's
2: been by far the bigger factor. He's
1: there, which is has more to do with anything than the fact that Jabari's not there. Uh, Middleton is just better than Jabari uh, at this stage in their careers, but if if you had a healthy Jabari Parker. I, I don't know if they would have gone specifically, you know, 13 of their last 16, but I feel like if he never gets hurt, they have a better record right now than yeah. they would otherwise.
2: Right. I think, I think he came, he got hurt the first or second game Middleton was back. So we really didn't get to see them together mm-hmm. at all this season. And, and obviously Jabari Parker before the injury was a different player this year than he was last year. Um, so yeah, I don't think the, my point isn't that it's, you know, Jabari went down all of a sudden they're good because that's not how it's been. Uh, but it is, it does complicate things a little more. And I think for the bucks, it, it's, it's, like I said, complicating because all of a sudden you see, okay, we can still win without Jabari Parker, but at the same time, I don't think that just means you can say, all right, well, you know, off with him. We don't, we don't need this guy anymore. It's a, it's a really tough situation to handle. It's, it's fairly unprecedented, you know, two ACL surgeries for a player who, bounce back so well from the first one and and then and then had and then had it and a half later
1: i mean there's definitely a price that you extend him at uh but there's i think there should also be a price that you don't extend him at i I mean i don't think you can give him the max at all uh and it's just all about kind of finding out what is the number where we decide that it's worth the risk to to bring him back
2: yeah, I don't think this would happen, but I think ideally you could sign him to like a two-year extension and kind of like approve it contract. But I mean, if you're Jabari's agent, I don't think you would let that happen. Right? You want you want the longest yeah. and
1: biggest contract you possibly
2: can get, right? Well, and, the, and the thing is, you know, if you if you waited out, I don't have the you know the schedule of Parker's extension in front of me right now, but I think it you know this coming fall he would have been eligible if you let him become a restricted free agent, it's not like another team isn't going to pounce on that. You know, like if, if you're the Brooklyn Nets right now and you don't have your pick again next season, like this would be the exact type of situation where you would say, all right, we'll throw, you know, near max money and make you match it for Jabari Parker because they're in a position where they could take that risk. And I mean, if you're the Bucks as of right now, knowing everything, you know, about Jabari Parker and about Jabari Parker's lower extremities, like, which way would you lean?
1: Uh, I would just be trying to get him back on the cheapest, shortest deal I can. And if it just gets to the point where, you know, we're going to need this money for extending player X and taking care of this specific need that we have in this Middleton, Giannis, Brogdon kind of core I mean, he Parker's not the perfect fit for those guys because of the defensive issues and because he kind of plays a similar position. Uh, but I think he fits well enough that they should try to come to some agreement where he mm. takes less money and, and properly gets discounted because of the risk.
2: Right, and I think the other thing is this team has shown now that the, the Giannis Middleton and random players you know Brogdon I guess is probably part of that core now but like the rest of that team you know Tony Snell is playing well for them Greg Monroe you know has kind of found his fit now it seems like you can kind of just slot in whoever you know around Giannis and to a lesser degree Middleton and Brogdon and you can put together a playoff caliber team the question is like if you don't bring back Jabari Parker you don't extend Jabari Parker then who else are you bringing in you know like where else are you spending that money can you do better than Jabari Parker even though he has these risks uh well I don't think you need
1: another star there like I think you just need the right pieces around Giannis like Giannis is going to be a big enough star where you don't need it to be like uh, the big three or, or whatever like they might not ever win a title with Giannis plus a bunch of supporting guys but prime Giannis plus a bunch of supporting guys if they're the right supporting guys can be a 55 60 Mm -hmm. win team
2: yeah well my my point too is that when you're that type of team you know a 50 plus win team you're not going to have another opportunity to draft a Jabari Parker Mm -hmm. type of talent and Milwaukee is not the type of market that can necessarily sign a free agent although you know over the last five ten years we've seen that that whole myth that you know New York and LA just yeah. cornered of the market like that's not really a thing anymore. And I think players are going to want to play with Giannis much in the way that we see players want to play with other big time superstars.
1: Well, I mean, you don't you don't know how a guy like Thon Maker is going to continue to develop. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know how whoever they draft with a pick that's probably going to now be in well, the
2: Rashad Vaughn's young too.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, they'll be picking like around the twentieth pick, nineteenth, eighteen, 19, 20, right, somewhere, somewhere like that. that yeah. uh, I mean, you could still hit on a pick in that range in this draft and you don't really know what malcolm brogdon's ceiling is i mean this might just be the player he is but maybe there's another another level there i mean those are all just really nice pieces and when you have middleton and you have Giannis, like i don't think you i don't think you need like i think it's it's fine if middleton's Mm -hmm. your second best player
2: yeah, I think this has been a, a pleasant surprise for the Bucks. I mean, you fast forward to like early February, it was skies falling. We had this great core in place. We were a borderline playoff team. Now we lose Jabari. You know, he's maybe he's never going to be the same. And all of a sudden, you know, things look a lot different. So I think the pressure in some ways is is a little bit off Milwaukee. Like I think you still have this really big decision looming with Jabari Parker, but it doesn't right now seem like it's as much of a franchise-defining decision as it maybe did a month and a half ago. Let's take a quick break so I can tell you about pristineauction.com. Pristine Auction is the place to go if you're a sports fan and you're looking for memorabilia for your man cave or just for your personal collection. eBay is great, but with a site like that where anyone can sell anything... You don't know exactly what you're going to get. And with pristine auction, everything is guaranteed to be 100% authentic and only from the most trusted sources. Plus, buying in an auction format makes everything more affordable. It's quick, it's free, and it's easy to register. And unlike other auction sites, it's free to bid. You only pay when you win. That seems like a pretty fair deal. Pristine Auction has a ton of memorabilia from all the major sports, football, basketball, baseball, boxing, you name it, even soccer, if you're into that kind of thing. So check out Pristine Auction. That's Pristine Auction, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E Auction. It's authentic, it's affordable, and you only pay for what you win. Uh, okay, so looking at other teams near the top of the playoff races, Cavs have not been good lately. Uh, I have bemoaned that to you quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. They are five and five over their last ten. They've lost their last two. They're the second worst defensive team in the NBA since the All Star break. Um, you can keep cherry picking horrible defensive statistics all you want. Uh, the Raptors have been good of late. They they won seven in a row. That they, they did lose last night. Clippers have cooled off a bit as well, although they did beat the Wizards last night. They're just five and five over their last ten. Uh the big concern for Toronto, of course, is the health of Kyle Lowry. So with that in mind, between Cleveland, Toronto, and LA, which of those three teams are you least worried about as we get closer to the playoffs? Uh
1: I don't know. I mean I want to know
2: relative to their expectations, right. you know. Uh
1: I mean Toronto, I guess, if if Lowry if Lowry gets back uh In time, I think that they're they 'll just do exactly what everyone expected them to do uh well, what I, is that exactly um you know be <laughs> be a team that competes to get to the eastern Conference finals like
2: you so know. if Lowry's back, do you put them on the same tier as Boston and washington? Yes,
1: absolutely okay. i mean they they made some huge additions at the deadline, and like we don't really know how all those pieces are going to fit. Mm-hmm. But they have a a, ch- a chance to be the best of those three teams. I think if Lowry's healthy.
2: I think so too. And that, that's it. Feels like they've fallen back. But they, I mean, they're only a game back of Washington. They're only three back of Boston. Um, like like I, you said, we how many games of Lowry, Tucker, and Ibaka have we had? Like two,
1: something like that. I mean, I, I should say I have no doubt that the Cavs are going to the finals. But I, I think,
2: I my, have doubt you. You have doubt. i doubt has crept in. Wow. Watching this team, as much as I watch them, the Cavs, I feel like you're just, I feel
1: like in. you're just really, I'm hedging down. Like you're in a, you're in a bad spot mm-hmm. right? in your uh, Cavaliers fandom. And so you're just taking <laughs> the, uh, the full on, like most negative approach right. possible
2: thing. It's exactly what I did with the Badgers. Look how that out. Got, <laughs> got to the sweet
1: 16. Uh, but, but, um, look, like when, if they can get all the pieces back, um, they have a Uh, switch that they can flip that none of these other teams can. And the Celtics to me are just so fraudulent in terms of how good they are in the regular season versus how good Mm -hmm. they'll be in a really tough playoff series against one of these three teams. Like I, I just don't, I see them as just that, that classic regular season team that maybe gets bounced way before anyone thinks they will in the playoffs. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Boston not really having a two way guy, you know, that can, that can really win you, you know, four games throughout the first couple rounds of the playoffs by himself and not to take anything away from Isaiah, but he's just, he's just not that guy. Like that's, what's concerning to me about them as deep as they are. I, if, if you really, you know, made me put a thousand dollars on one of these teams to go to the finals, I would still say Cleveland. I really would, but I do wonder, that's big of you. Yeah, I know. Thanks. (laughs) But I do wonder if they get into that situation, like Toronto last year where all of a sudden you're you know you're up 2-0 and then I mean what was were they they were tied 2-2 at one point. So if it's if it's 2-2, you know, there was never a doubt. And the Cavs themselves even said we were never worried, we knew we were going to win it. I think they would say that same thing, but I have my concerns as to whether they could really turn it on and blow out those next two games like they did against Toronto last year. I think they think they could do it, but I don't know that this team has shown the signs that they can really, really flip that switch and be a night and day defensive team. Like you don't you don't go from being like basically the worst defensive team in the league to where you need to be to beat some really good playoff teams just by flipping a switch. I, I think the problems run a little bit deeper right now.
1: Yeah. Uh I'm just I've learned never to really count out the the team with LeBron. Sure. And uh you know, there was a point maybe two months ago where I was really thinking the Cavs had a, a legit chance of, uh, repeating. And, you know, I think that Same. they, they still have a chance. I don't know how legit it is if, mm-hmm. if Kevin Durant's healthy, but I mean, it's, you always have a chance when you have LeBron and well, the he's, issue, he's having one of his best seasons ever.
2: Right. And the thing is, it's not like the Cavs have like breezed through these last two regular seasons, you know? I mean, they, the thing is they've had their issues, but their issues have come in December and January, not in early April, late March, you know, like that's, what's concerning. It's like, they seem to be bottoming out at the wrong time. Whereas in years past, they would bottom out and have these big troubles and everybody hates each other, but then they would write the ship and be on these they you know, going into the last two post seasons, they were on great runs. They were kind of hitting their stride and it feels like that's kind of been flipped on its head this year.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's a bad spot in the season for them. I'm, I'm still picking on this, the, the heavy favorite mm-hmm. to come out.
2: Yeah, I think I read the other night that Vegas still has him as like a 75% favorite to make the the East finals, which seems about right. Because I think Boston, Washington, Toronto are really good. Like the top four in the East is so much better this year than it was last year. If Lowry is
1: if Lowry comes back and is like 90% of Kyle Lowry, who who are you saying is going to give them the, the toughest game or the toughest series
2: of those three? Yeah. So Cleveland's going to breeze through round one, right? Right. I don't, I think whatever team gets the eight is not going to be as good as Detroit was last year. I think they were a pretty strong eight and Mm -hmm. obviously that they've fallen off considerably since then. But yeah, I mean, who they, you know, round two, I, eh, Washington's played them well, but I have questions about their depth. Although Cleveland's depth isn't great. I still think it's Boston just because Boston can throw so many guys at you. You know, like with Washington, you got to stop Wall and Beal. And if you do that, you're probably going to be fine. Because you get to the bench units and the guys like Kelly Oubre and, she- you know, what's his name, Sodoronsky or whatever are out there. And it's like, you know, well, we'll if Brandon Jennings and, and, you know, these guys want to throw up six shots a game, we'll live with that. Like Boston, Boston has like 10 guys that you have to worry about. And I don't think the Cavs can like take possessions off or can go, can go a LeBron lineup with four crap bench players and get away with it like they have in years past. So that that's that would be the reason for me with Boston. Those three teams together, Washington, Toronto, maybe have four of the top five players, but Boston might have, you know, like five of the next ten.
1: Yeah, I I think uh, Washington, uh, to me, is like the one that's like we know exactly what Toronto is like, and we I think we know exactly what Boston is. Mm -hmm. Washington, to me, is just like the the slight wild card where like who knows what they're really capable of. We haven't really seen this team play the Cav play a LeBron James team in the playoffs before. So it's like, I, I don't know. Uh, I was going to ask you this. Um, would you, would you consider Scott Brooks a top three coach of the year candidate?
2: Well, let's talk about this, the coach of the year race. Um, I think he's right <laughs> yes, there. Let's. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> he's right there. I I just said yesterday that it's bolster and I'm pretty steadfast in that. This is one of those years where if it goes to pop, totally fine. You know, this should just be the Greg Popovich Award, honestly, if, if we're being realistic. <laughs> I think DeAntoni's gonna get a lot of love. I think <laughs> Quinn Snyder's gonna get a lot of love, but Scott Brooks is gonna finish in the top five.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh <laughs> I I think you're right. I think it should be Spo. But would this set a record for lowest winning percentage of a coach of the year winner?
2: Actually, let me look this up. I just had this yesterday. I don't know if it would be a record, but it would be this. If it's not the record, it would be the second worst. Because the worst coach to ever win it went 33 and 48. Uh, Shout out to Red Kerr, who coached the 1966 67 Chicago (laughs) Bulls. Other than Red Kerr, (laughs) no coach has ever won fewer than 41 <laughs> games
1: so what are we thinking that bulls team that that 1990 or 1966 bulls team like was that like a team with a true talent level of like a 10 win team? Like what, well, how bad was this bulls team that he gets it with a 33 win season? Let's see.
2: <laughs> we're this not going to was... know who any
1: of these players are obviously. The,
2: well, okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> this was the first year that the bulls were ever in the league. So there was oh. nothing to judge it against. Okay.
1: <laughs> so it was an expansion team. Okay. That's um, correct.
2: Yeah. Expansion. So,
1: but I mean to, to have this Miami heat team, even, sniffing 500 is really insane like yeah. i mean that would be the equivalent of a coach having like i don't know this this king's team sniffing 500 or any team like really. re- i mean <laughs> any yeah any of the worst team whoever you think like the worst teams in the league are
2: I think people like, underrate Whiteside still, and Dragic has been awesome. But still, other than those two, you have a group of basically D leaguers. A normal, like just
1: an average NBA coach mm-hmm. would have this team at like twenty two wins right yeah,
2: now. I totally agree. I think you look back <laughs> the the most recent coach to to win an award with you know a winning percentage around five hundred was Doc Rivers in ninety nine two thousand. They went forty one and forty one, uh, and I'm looking at that roster now, and it, it's I think it's kind of like the the pre version of this heat roster the in terms of points per game your top five are daryl armstrong ron mercer chris gatling Tariq abdul wahad and john amici <laughs> i don't know if any of those guys i mean these those are all a little bit before my time like were any of those guys ever as good as goran dragic or hassan whiteside
1: uh, chris gatling was decent um probably not as good as those guys as mm-hmm. as whiteside or Dra- dragic but monty was- williams was
2: on this team yeah, Ben Wallace. <laughs> the Ben Ben Wallace was on the Magic. I did not know that. Oh yeah, huh? <laughs> Jeez, good for him. Okay, so the numbers say. I mean, yeah, if Spo wins it and the Heat finish below five hundred, he'll be only the second coach ever to win Coach of the Year with a, a below five hundred roster. But I think it could happen. I mean, is there anyone else that we haven't brought up who would even be in the conversation? I've seen Jason Kidd's name raised recently. <laughs> no. No, there's a stark contradiction. I think the national perspective is yes. No, the no. local perspective is hell no. I mean, you should, like, Giannis
1: should get some, like, most improved player love. I think um,
2: I think he might be the favorite.
1: But, like, that's that's the difference with this Bucks team is just what Giannis has right. become and not nothing that Jason Kidd's done.
2: Yeah, um, didn't did, say, did Mike Brown ever win coach of the year? Yeah, oh, yeah. Mike Brown oh, won yeah. coach of the year in oh, 08, yeah. 09. So the LeBron James most improved player coach of the year award. Yeah uh Mitchell won coach of the year
1: Dude, some really bad coaches of one oh, coach of the year
2: <laughs> Scott Brooks has already won it
1: oh yeah great coach
2: yeah he, he <laughs> I forgot how, how much better Scott Brooks got as a coach uh, in 2009 2010 I mean this
1: is truly just is this just a Randy Whitman like is this just the gap between randy whitman and like a competent coach or is this a just Otto porter making a huge leap uh, well i think
2: brooks deserves credit for some of that i mean beal being healthy has been big but i also think you always got the impression that that whole team like just not that they hated randy whitman but and you know you got the impression that randy whitman was not good at his job right i mean you're watching a guy flip clipboards like over and over and i think it was just like a lack of A lack of faith, you know, It's like this guy's trying really hard, but we just, we don't, we don't have it. And I think Brooks has done a good job to at least convince this team that we are just as good as Cleveland and Boston and Toronto. And all of a sudden here we are. I mean, we were ready to write the wizards off a month into the season. I mean, they were terrible. They looked awful. And now, I mean, it's night and day since then.
1: I think I go Spolstra, Popovich, D'Antoni, Brooks, I think would be my top four.
2: I think, yeah, I think those are the. I think that's the consensus top four. I, I think D'Antoni probably finishes ahead of Pop.
1: I think D'Antoni wins it. Like, okay. I think he's the favorite to win it because, because, yeah, like, you look at the Rockets, it's like, oh, man, 55 right. wins or whatever they're going to finish with. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: no, but even like the highest person on the Rockets didn't have them at at that many wins. That's
2: true. Um, I think if the Spurs would have taken the one seed, then Pop could have won it. But without that, I don't think he has quite enough because mm-hmm. there is, like we just said. I mean, there is three coaches with pretty compelling cases. So I don't think you can just kind of hand it to pop by default this year. Like you could a lot of others. Uh, who's been the most disappointing coach <laughs> not named Tom Thibodeau.
1: Who's been the worst coach. Yeah. Worst
2: coach of the year. We'll call <laughs> We'll call this one the uh, the Lindsay Hunter worst coach of the year. Um, Did you listen to that pod by the way, when Jared Dudley just like went off on Hunter? No, but I've, I've heard him do that before. Yeah, uh, I've never heard a player attack a coach that way. I think it is.
1: I think it's Stan Van. Okay, I just, I think a lot of people, myself included, had this Pistons team finishing, you know, top five-ish in the East. And I think I had him finishing fourth. And yeah, I mean, I it's obviously not all his fault, but, you know, this is a guy that has always gotten kind of lumped in in that like top 10 kind of coach in the NBA circle or, or mm-hmm. what have you. And has always been thought of as this, sort of mastermind because of the stuff he did in Orlando. And here he is with a a team that's like, it's not, it's not loaded. We are figuring some stuff out about Reggie Jackson that, you know, maybe he's not, not a very good player. Uh, We're figuring out some stuff about Andre Drummond's limitations. But, you know, when you go into the year with expectations like that and you haven't been dealing with like a ton of injuries, I mean, you have to look at Stanley Johnson's lack of development as something that you I think you should partially be able to pin on on Stan Van and if you if you don't want to pin it on him as a coach then you pin it on him as a executive for making that pick. Um yeah, I think it's been a, a pretty disappointing year there.
2: I think Steve Clifford's in the conversation, Charlotte's had injuries. Um you know, I'm looking at on uh, basketball reference the Hornets expected win loss is 40 and 35. They are thirty four and forty one right now. Like to me, that that's basically like all right. There's a handful of games that could have gone either way, and they've lost like all of them. And I, I actually had them
1: um winning on un, the under. I, I forget what their over under was, but it was something in the thirties. And everyone was like, "Oh man, how how could anyone like not have this team as at least like a five hundred team mm-hmm. based on what they did the year before?" And I just thought it was a classic. Like they way overachieved yeah. overachieved the year before.
2: Uh, you can't. I mean, when Kemba Walker is your best player, that's great. But you can't. You can't like be people, a legit. People are looking at that team like
1: it's like a put them in like the six or seven seed, like <laughs> right. lock them in. Like no. But,
2: but th- I mean, but honestly, though, there's no reason that this Charlotte team shouldn't be just as good as like how are they worse than Chicago? How are they worse than the Pacers and the Heat and the Bucks? Like, there's like on paper they should be right there. Yeah, I mean. Hoiberg's actually done a decent job with yes. this Bulls
1: I team. I agree. I think so, too. Like <laughs> this Bulls team
2: should be a lot worse. Given <laughs> the circumstances, yeah, you should, they, they should have no wins. Like, considering he has no say in personnel decisions, right. and they've made these like, drastic team changes in the offseason, and they're shipping out McDermott and Gibson to rotation players at the deadline, like, I, think, I honestly think the fact that Chicago still might make the playoffs is pretty insane. Yep. Uh, would this Miami team be better or worse if Dwayne Wade was still on it? Huh. Um yeah, better this means fewer minutes for Rodney Magruder.
1: Better. Better. They'd be better. I mean it it totally changes the dynamic. That's why I had to think about it, because like if you have Wade on there, a lot of players are not or have much l- lesser roles like Dragic, like I don't know how that combination That was. never really works. Yeah. Logic so, has even said that.
2: Uh waiters. Waiters does not become <laughs> Waiters. Doesn't, doesn't, like, waiters herself. doesn't
1: make the leap.
2: Right. <laughs> we would be devoid of a lot of big time waiters moments. If, I, I think they would be worse.
1: Someone's got to put together like the ultimate Dion waiters, like mixtape from just this season. Right. Like, a...
2: fine. I'll, I'll do it. Right? Is, this, is this your way of like publicly pleading? Yeah. Yeah. That'll give me something to do next week. Um,
1: <laughs> What, what are you doing? I'm putting together a Deion Waiters <laughs> mixtape. It's for don't, the site. Don't worry
2: about it's it. It's For the website,
1: it's for the, I don't know how to the, embed videos. YouTube. It's <laughs> for that website.
2: <laughs> I also work for YouTube? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's it's. There's no way to really figure this out, but I think the way that the way that Miami's won is just playing so free, you know, like just you know flying around, having athletes all over the place, going up and down. Like with Dwayne Wade, all that stops, you know, and you have to you're you're kind of obligated to play through Wade, and I, I guess I got him into the playoffs last year with a fairly similar roster. So maybe I, I think with Dwayne Wade, they're probably right where they are. They probably don't okay. get off to the horrible start that they got off to. If they have Wade,
1: it's a huge slap in the face to say that they would be worse with Dwayne Wade.
2: <laughs> like that's a, that's a huge, I like, don't know. Like a huge they be, Would they be worse if they had Carmelo?
1: No, I think Melo so. and
2: Wade are like equally effective players at this point. Yeah. I don't think they'd Mello's be worse if they had tired. either of those players. Okay. I mean, look at the Knicks. The Knicks roster is just as good as Miami's, if wins. not better.
1: Look at the Knicks. This is the this is the Spoe argument, though. I've i if if you if Spo was the coach of the Knicks and didn't have these I don't know how much the like outside forces of Phil Jackson, James Dolan affect wins and losses, but like I think just, a lot. Ira- like, just give Spo that Knicks roster in Miami, and I think mm-hmm. he has them. Probably in a better spot than he has this heat.
2: E yeah. Well, there's not a team in the league where you say, you know, unless you're talking like the Spurs and like I don't know, maybe the Rockets. Like, if Spo is coaching that team, they're better, right? I guess the Celtics are probably in that category. Like, how many coaches right now would you take over Spo? Uh,
1: I would still take Carlisle. Like, I, sure. I, yeah. I mean, who knows what what Spo would have done with that Mavs team? But if you're just telling me, I can pick my coach, right? Yeah after popovich i'm taking carlisle
2: well i think yeah i think carlisle does with this heat team what spo did with it
1: right and like carlisle is usually that gold standard of the guy that like makes the really crappy team uh you know 44 45 win team Mm
0: -hmm.
1: uh i mean i'm trying to think if there's anyone i would take third over spo um no probably not i think i would i think i would take spo third
2: over stevens yeah Over Frank Vogel, (laughs) the Frank Vogel, what
1: (laughs) twenty-seven win Frank Vogel? All
2: right, I mean, how many? Where would you have had him? Do you think before the season, six, seven, eight? Vogel, Spo, Spo. Uh, I mean,
1: I've always been a Spo guy. I would have had him in like I would have in that five-six range.
2: I think most people would have taken Kerr over him. I think some people would have taken Doc Rivers over him. Although I feel like Doc has gotten somewhat exposed over the last couple of years, especially as an executive. (laughs) Uh, shout out to Raymond Felton. Um, I think a lot of people probably would take Tibbs over him. I mean, like how much, what, this is a kind of a side conversation, I guess, but how much of the blame is on Tibbs for this Timberwolves season going where it has? Uh, not, not a ton.
1: I mean, it. I th- I don't, I don't know if he's the right coach for this group of players, but I also think that you have to have those players look in the mirror. Like Carl Anthony Towns has not been the player, not even close to the player. Everyone thought he was going to be this year. Uh, I mean, everyone thought Towns was going to do, was going to take like the leap that Giannis is taking right now.
2: He kind of has though, like numbers wise. I His mean, numbers defensively though, like defensively, no, like, like he's a bad defender
1: right now, which is yeah. kind of crazy to say. Uh, and I mean, Wiggins is obviously a horrible defender um is a horrible defender i don't think that like you can say hey defensive coach make these guys good defenders without a ton of buy-in from the players mm-hmm. like it's on them to buy in at some point and they i don't think they ever yeah. did
2: yeah we'll see i mean i think the timberwolves are going to have an interesting call to make you know they're kind of in the same boat with levine as milwaukee is with with parker in some ways but aside from that you got another sixth seventh overall pick in a loaded draft do you add that asset? Do you package that and make another run at Jimmy Butler like you did last draft? I don't know. It's going to be really interesting, but we'll, we'll get into that as the draft gets closer. Let's wrap this up. Three amigos will be back tomorrow.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about.